0: Hello and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Marus, founder and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing the increasing importance of the digital channel in the delivery of financial services. More than just a transactional entry point, the best digital app should be able to create exceptional customer experiences that boost productivity, loyalty and contextual engagement, regardless of the device or operating system. For a perspective on the changing dynamics of digital engagement and the importance of the mobile channel, I'm joined today by Thomas Hogan, Chairman and CEO of Kony. Tom and I have become great friends over the last several years, and I'm a fan of how Kony has been able to work with organizations of all sizes to improve their digital capabilities. Recently, Kony was acquired by the Swiss banking software company Temenos, providing expanded market opportunities for both firms. Tom, welcome. I'm, I'm glad you were able to join today. I know you've been very busy. I wanted to touch base a little bit on the importance of the digital channel, something that obviously Kony is, is very proficient at. But I was wondering just out of the box here, what is going on in the industry right now in the digital channels, uh, more specifically, probably the mobile channel, that is different than what's been going on in the past?
1: Yeah, I think the you know, the big driver here is, you know, back in the day and, you know, turn back the hands of time a decade, a lot of the deployment of technology across industries and in particular in the financial services space was designed to drive things like efficiency and security, accuracy of information, you know, all those different factors that automation and technology and specifically in banking, the core systems provided, that was where a bulk of the focus was dating back five, ten years. Then what happened with the whole consumerization of IT and the digital era Emerged over the last five plus years. And, you know, the name of the game from uh, assets under management and capturing and retaining new clients, which are two very important measurements or metrics for banks, shifted from efficiency to delivering, you know, the richest possible digital experience that was relatively seamless across channels. That made it easy for customers to open accounts, apply for loans, transfer assets, and bank, you know, on their own time and their own schedules. So the war, if you will, uh, the competitive war now sits totally in the front office, and that's where most bank CEOs, CDOs, you know, the people that lead, you know, retail banking unit for a bank, they're all very focused now on digital uh, as the weapon to go win that war. So that's sort of the macro shift that's driving a lot of the attention and thinking around digital.
0: So when you talk about the digital channels, the mobile channel being the weapon of choice in the the war for new customers and growth of relationships, how well-armed are the traditional financial institutions today compared to who they're battling against?
1: Well, the challenge, I think there's a silver lining. I'll tell you the the challenge first is everybody understands that's the vector that matters. Unfortunately, that includes the, call it the top 20 money center banks around the world that have enormous amounts of people and money to go pursue leading edge innovation around digital. So if you're anything, but I mean, forget about tier one, tier two, tier three, if you're anybody, but that sort of top 20, you know, your immediate reaction is I'm at a huge disadvantage because I don't have the money and the people to innovate and compete with the JP Morgans and the Wells and B of A's, uh, U.S. banks of the world. So you could argue they're not armed and they're at a disadvantage. But actually, the silver lining, Jim, I think is necessity is the mother of all invention. And so because they don't have billions of dollars and tens of thousands of developers, they're not only, you know, forced to seek other options in the market that bring equal or better solutions with faster time to market from partners like Coney. And I actually believe, and we're starting to build enough proof points that for fractions, of the dollars and fractions of the people, many of these tier two and below financial institutions are able to deliver an equal or better solution. Now, if absent help from from somebody like Kony, um, then they are not armed and they don't have the resource or the domain expertise in digital. But the good news is there are options in a short list of companies like Coney that I think can answer the bell and help them compete
0: and win. It's interesting because you're right. I mean, over the last actually just a short period of time, two years probably, we've really gone from having to buy the mobile or digital apps and capabilities from um, what I'll call the big players, where it was pretty much a you get it as it comes out of the box, to highly customized um, solutions. Do you see the future of mobile Being from a banking standpoint, being a quantity or quality basis from the standpoint of functionality and the ability to connect with consumers?
1: So let me back up. You know, the path for the Tier 2 and Tier 3 banks, historically, and now historically, his short history, you know, let's call it from two years ago to, say, five years ago, has been to buy solutions from the legacy core vendors, and candidly, there's a DNA in technology, and an institution that is good at core banking uh, or you know other important elements of a banking operation, they are not digital natives, and the ability to innovate, navigate, deliver high-fidelity, robust, high-scale, multiple-form-factor applications, which is the world of digital, both mobile and web, it's a different DNA. And so the offerings that the big legacy vendors were providing, yes, it was cheap. Yes, it was quick, but it was completely insufficient to compete with the bigger banks, which is why, you know, when you look at charts that monitor the flow of assets under management over the last decade, the big institutions have been winning that war, and it's not because they provide the personal touch. It's because of the robust nature of their digital. So I think your question was, you know, is it quality or quantity when it comes to mobile? I think I would argue that they're related, but delivering a, and by the way, the you know, people ask what makes a killer mobile app in banking, and I get asked that by prospects and CEOs looking to start the journey, you know, the answer it may be counterintuitive, which is you have to provide a differentiated experience in something, I'd call it sizzle or some other metaphor, but something that's engaging that when you see that app, again, it could be in the mobile world on your phone, smartphone, or even in a web world, but a home screen or home page that's inviting, stimulating, engaging, and got some creativity, but the app itself has ease of navigation in a way it's simple and it's easy for users to adopt and perform the tasks or chores that they're trying to do so that combination of differentiated engagement with ease is really the key and so and if you deliver that from a quality perspective then you know the quantity i think comes
0: You know, it's interesting because at your event uh, in Austin a few weeks ago, um, Accelerate, one of the things that was brought up by J.D. Power who actually presented there was the fact that the biggest banks, um, without a doubt, have the most functionality. However, more is not necessarily better and that organizations of a smaller scale can actually compete you know, in the marketplace by providing, as you said, highly engaging functionality of the parts that consumers want. And I think what's interesting, and I saw that at the Financial Brand Forum last year, is organizations tr- really partnering with each other and having discussions with each other about delivering better solutions to what I'll call the middle market and lower market from an asset standpoint... Organizations, and it happened in every area. and And can you talk a little bit about how you're working with not only the core providers, but other organizations such as data providers? And you know, you had some conversations with Salesforce and other organizations to get a more rounded solution for financial institutions of all sizes. Yeah.
1: Before I do that, so I sort of missed half of your question when you said quality or quantity. I totally agree. If your If your point was, is it better to have quality versus more functionality and solve world hunger in one mobile app. I totally agree with the point J.D. Power made. I thought you meant quantity was access, number of people that are adopting the mobile app, which I think comes from the simplicity yet the level of engagement. So I just want to underscore, I, I agree with your point and the point that J.D. Power made. On the second point, what I would say is, you know, if you talk to a CEO of a bank and just have them articulate the breadth and range and moving parts that they need to contemplate. Whether it's you know their cores, back end, you know the 360 view of the customer, trying to eventually fold in augmented intelligence to provide intelligent promotions in the whole CRM world. You know the list goes on and on with KYC payments, the whole digital front. I mean, it's a very complex, it's like a giant you know, jigsaw puzzle. And I would say, I think it's safe to say you know, that nobody right now delivers an end-to-end, highly integrated, best-in-class answer to everything. And so I think the key for people that aspire to be a consultative value-add partner to banks is to bring to the game what you've got that's best in class but also acknowledge, uh, not only acknowledge, but proactively work to abstract the complexity uh, for the bank to use your stuff in a modular way and interface with and leverage different pieces like the ones you've referenced with core. So I think in the world of the front office, maintaining an agnostic position as it relates to cores, knowing that there's, there's five to 10 of them that make up 90% you know, ninety percent of the cores in the world, and you know, banks are generally loath to migrate from those cores because one, it's the risk and the cost to migrate, and then two, they're now scratching their heads saying, "There's no payback for me to migrate my core. I'm not winning or losing the war for clients and assets." Nobody walks into a bank and says, "Hey, can you tell me who your core is?" But they will walk into your bank and talk about the experience they just had. On your mobile app and then when they went home and jumped over to their desktop or laptop to continue the relationship and how hard or how easy that was and so that's an example of where the right strategy is to through an open technologies in you know API driven products to bring best-in-class but complement and sort of cohabitate with this range of other product segments like cores, or vendors like Salesforce.com or, you know, people in the payment space and so on. So I think that's the trick to adding maximum value.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting as we look at the marketplace, one of the things that caught my attention in some of my first visits to Kony was that you're not just serving the financial marketplace. You serve other industries as well. What advantage does that give? Not just – this would not only be applicable to mobile apps, but what advantage does it provide if a solution provider has experiences outside of banking?
1: Well, I think, you know, when I talk to banks and leaders of banks, uh, as you would expect, you know, most of them are pretty proud of what they do. They believe they have a ton of industry and domain expertise and, you know, truth be told, most of them would, you know, have the view that they wouldn't learn a ton from watching or listening to you know, other banks or their competitors. So for them, the challenge is more I have a vision, I know what I need to do, and it's now my ability to execute with speed and precision. Conversely, there are, you know, leading edge things that are happening in industries like healthcare or retail or energy or travel and transportation and hospitality you know there are there's ideation and innovation happening in those industries that may not be obvious things to port to the banking world and so i think it's an interesting Potential source of advantage, you know, in the Coney ecosystem where you know, our dominant vertical is clearly banking. It's over 50% of our business and it's our fastest growing, but we also do business with some of the leading brands in the world across those verticals. And the banks, it's funny, you almost see a higher interest level in sometimes connecting the dots and comparing notes with key leadership from the other industries to say, hey, what are you doing that we might not have thought of in the banking world? And maybe I can get a jump on my competition in banking by hijacking this Killer idea that, you know, as an example, you might use a a retailer for an in-store experience. Maybe there's some things there that we could port to the in-branch experience if you're a bank. So I think it's maybe a counterintuitive value add that that brings interesting value.
0: It seems to be evident um, in our research and what you just discussed that organizations, kind of know what they have to do and where they have to go. And that experience is probably more important than just being able to do something on a mobile platform or a digital platform. You have a lot of salespeople out in the field right now and a lot of organizations knocking on your door. But as they knock on your door, they feel like, okay, I, I kind of know what I want and I want to have better than what I've got. But what are the challenges that you're seeing in the movement from, geez, I want it to I'm going to do it?
1: well the 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 pragmatic a couple of the challenges, one is they sort of have a vision and know what they want to go do, but banks historically aren't a landing spot for digital natives and millennials that are both tech savvy and and sort of grew up in the digital world and so you know one of the challenges is just plain old, simple. You know, people in house that have the skills needed to drive that transformation. So that's, you know, that I think is probably one of the biggest challenges that they're faced with. Uh, I think the second one is when they get, you know, the way these things typically happen is somebody has this grandiose vision. You sit down, you do blueprinting on where you're going to start, what you're going to deliver, and then you get halfway or a quarter of the way into a project and the world is changing so fast right now and sort of the emergence of new ideas and new offerings is so real time that you're halfway through your project and it's so tempting to say, well, let's delay going live or into production on this for three or four months so that we can go add X, the next big thing or the next big feature. And that's a cycle that never ends. And so, the trap that a lot of banks that are in this transformation journey fall into is never getting out into production with a core MVP that then you can use to get feedback from your customers in the marketplace and prioritize what those next things should be, which is the right way to do it. And, you know, again, one of the pitfalls that is not uncommon is you get into this perpetual process of extending new ideas. And then you wake up and you say, gosh, it's been 12, 15 months since I started. And I was originally hoping I'd get this thing out in the hands of our customers in six months. And here we are nine months late and why? And it's, it's typically that scope driven by innovation. So those would be the two, I think, skills and then the constant you know, reaction to evolving technologies and, and scope creep that are the, probably the two things I'd point to.
0: You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because it is a big challenge right now is looking at all these things as conversions that happen in a 3-, 12-month period as opposed to the way that most digital companies update their apps, which is daily, hourly, weekly. And sometimes, you know, the bankers can't get out of their own way when it comes to the ability to really think on an agile basis. And as you mentioned, taking the steps necessary to move the needle, and it doesn't have to be completely remodeling the whole house. It can be putting the paint job on the outside or, or changing the cabinetry or, or changing the, you know, the flooring. We sometimes overthink the process, and really, we got to break this into smaller parts, I think, a lot of times.
1: Yeah, in fact, you know, we had our uh, user conference, as you know, a couple weeks ago in Austin, and we were had you know, the privilege of having John Janclay, the CEO at Partners Credit Union, share his experience. And he was pretty clever. He almost started his presentation by, you know, asking everybody to to raise their hand and take an oath of, I think he calls it, you know, progress versus perfection. And it really captures the notion in the spirit of what you just said, which is, you know, don't try to boil the ocean, be agile, get product out in the market. It's not going to be perfect. And even if it was given changes and innovation, you're going to want to evolve it and kind of manage the process with that mentality versus, you know, as you said, banks are very you know, risk adverse for all the right reasons, given the sensitivity of what they do. And so, you know, the DNA of a bank from a change management perspective is different than I think the the formula for success today, which is bite-sized, agile uh, progress.
0: Change is difficult, as we all know, and, and especially in the banking world. And, you know, we're creatures of habit um, as an industry, and I, I think – we just have to look at saying, you know, I, I remember back in the day when uh, we were just starting with mobile banking, the companies decided who would they partner with. And my recommendation eventually was just do it because I go back to the – way back to the era at the beginning of the CRM process. and I go, you know, a bad decision or a, a subpar decision made today is better than trying to find perfection two years from now because it's going to change tomorrow. Um, All the providers are keeping up with each other. So the reality is, you know, to different degrees, but if you need something, it's going to come your way if you make some of the right decisions early. When you're looking at the future, and and I will not put a timeline on it because we'll be wrong, um, and there's no reason to start, you know, have a conversation where we're wrong to begin with. But if you're looking at the next big thing with regard to digital apps and mobile banking – what do you see it being? Not the incremental thing, but really what's going to change the way that we engage with digital devices?
1: Well, I think that I'd point to two things, and one of them is, I think, um, a direct response to your question, and the other one uh, is as well, but might be a little bit self-serving. And I'll, I'll start with that one, which is, you know, we have a point of view that digital, obviously, we're we're a digital company, and it's the core of what we do, but... We also have a point of view that people still value and appreciate the human touch. And so one of the things that we see leading edge people doing today, so the fast followers are trying to figure out how to digitize and create a modern digital experience. The leaders have already done that and they're now they're in sort of edit mode on the technology. But now they're starting to think about how do I maintain that human connection while I leverage the ubiquity and convenience of digital. And so, and, you know, we, we've we all heard the loaded question of how many more of you raise your hand, look forward to picking up the phone, trying to, call, I won't name a big institution, and going into a VRU with 17 options of hit to this, pound that, this, and then at the end of the trail, you don't have your answer and you slam the phone down in frustration. And so how do you maintain uh, that human touch while you extend your leadership in digital? I think that is a, and the people that can do that, I think will have an enormous uh, advantage uh, going forward. The second category really is bringing more augmented intelligence into all the things we do. And also, I think we've made huge progress on ease, but we're not there yet. As I think you know, we recently were acquired by or plans to be acquired by Temenos. And so the amount of financial paperwork tied to that transaction that I've been doing on a daily basis for hours at a time that is not intuitive, not user friendly and I just sit as I go through these processes and a lot of it involves, you know, wiring of funds and closing stuff and so it's all very uh, money and banking centric. It's we still have a long way to go. So I think the crystal ball for me would be continued progress on ease adding true intelligence to processes on both sides of the equation from the customer and the bank itself. Uh, And then how do you protect the human touch so that you don't become this completely digital robot in the sky um, and can, you know, still serve your clients.
0: I almost broke out in laughter when you mentioned about the, the difficulty of doing simple things on digital when, when you're working, especially overseas. Uh, I had a situation where I was going to pay a contractor. I signed up for transfer. Wise said, okay, I'm good there. I did everything I'm supposed to do on that end. They say, connect us to the bank. I do that. And the bank goes, uh, you need to have some kind of connection that we don't have. Well, after peeling back a lot of layers because they didn't really say what the problem was, I found out that the bank is such a risk-averse nature, and this is a major top-five bank, that they don't connect with companies like TransferWise. And as a result, I not only had to go into the branch to do something that was done at a computer almost in a snail's pace. You know, good news is there was not paper involved. The bad news was the paper was on the computer. And at the end of the day, what ended up happening was I had to make the transfer. I had to do it by wire. It cost me three times the amount that TransferWise is going to charge me. And the bank simply goes, you know, it's just the way we do things. And that's not an acceptable answer anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I continually go, you know, it's not just because of my knowledge of banking to go, guys, you're, you're, you're not making sense here. Right, it's right. it's the it's the knowledge that almost every consumer has right now because they go, damn it, Amazon doesn't do this to me. Exactly, Google doesn't ask me this. You know, as you said, the ease of engagement, and you know, you also mentioned the whole issue of the human aspect, and and you know, you you alluded to it, but you know, it's interesting because Coney is a fintech company, a large one, but a fintech company, and something that I was uh, indirectly involved in the, some of the discussions about. You acquired a mobile platform or an app from a traditional bank. You built uh, or you bought um, an app that was created by Umqua that allows organizations to truly bring the human aspect onto the digital device, and I think one thing that was interesting about that acquisition was that because of the history of what they were doing, they found that geez, it's not like people want to engage by face. They, they, you know, as much as you think that's really cool to be able to visually connect with your banker, that's not what they want. And in fact, you, know, you found that uh, it wasn't even by voice but by text, yep. but it was a real human. Yep. And are you seeing some traction on that acquisition and, and what the whole acquisition around the human plus digital means?
1: Yeah, in fact, I mean, just as recently as yesterday, I was in Los Angeles with the CEO of a bank, and they were very excited and interested in the whole county portfolio and the implications of the Temenos acquisition, but he flat out told me, said, I know it's, I shouldn't say this as the CEO of the bank, but he said, the thing that I am most excited about is this product Engage. Because they're a $3 billion credit union where the CEO is connected in the community. And he said, I just can't wait for the day when I meet one of our members or clients, uh, you know, at a restaurant or at a Little League game. And they start bragging about how thrilled they are about the combination of that personal touch with the convenience of a chat based channel that allows them to ask questions or, give instructions to do things in the convenience of chat. So you don't have to drive to a branch. You don't have to sit on a phone in a VRU. You know, you just log into the app and you, you know, you do what you need to do or ask your question and the difference and everybody gets confused and thinks, well, what's the difference between that and a virtual assistant? And the answer is those clients get to pick literally the person that's their virtual banker, based on a profile, and that person is always the person that receives that text message, so you get a chance to build a relationship of trust and knowledge over years, but access that person and transact with that person via the convenience of a chat-based channel. And so the interest levels, Jim, are, because they get it. I mean, bank CEOs know that in addition to the convenience and all the cool things about digital service still matters. And I would say most banks still take pride and take a position that they want to differentiate themselves. On service And so I think this is going to be a big deal.
0: Well, we pretty much run out of time here, but I'll tell you, Tom, it's always great to talk to you. It's, it's, I was going to say it seems like just a couple weeks ago we had a long conversation, and, and we did. No beers involved this time, but uh, <laughs> I will tell you, uh, you know, I think there's some exciting things on the horizon, not only for Coney and t but um, in the mobile and digital banking space overall. I think that uh, as we look forward and we look at the differentiators in banking in the future, it's going to be what we can do on the digital device. And it, it probably, as you mentioned, is going to include a human aspect. It's going to include voice. It's going to include AI. It's going to probably move from a ask a question. It gives you an answer to it prompts you based on where you are, what you're doing, and what you're going to be doing based on history. And and that level of experience, that level of engagement really is important. But It is also important for uh, the organizations that uh, are out there to start embracing this change now because um, as much as they may want to uh, remodel a branch or or build a new branch, I'd rather see that money allocated towards a better digital experience. And I'm I'm obviously, given your history and your uh, background, you probably would too.
1: Yep, completely agree.
0: Hey Tom, thank you so much for being on today, and and I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. But uh, you take care,
1: Jim. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to visit with you know with you, given your thought leadership and following in the industry. It's a great opportunity for us. So uh, hopefully, the folks that participate in the podcast will get value out of it, and we uh, we appreciate the opportunity to partner with you.
0: Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed. If you enjoyed today's interview, please be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out our amazing research we're doing on digital transformation, retail banking innovation, the digital customer experience, and financial marketing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to producer Julie Fink and audio engineer Dave Douglas. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, have a great week. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts.